This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Take care of your property with equipment you can count on, like the Kubota BX and L01 Series Compact Tractors, part of our under 100-horsepower tractor lineup, rated number one for reliability, and Z-Series mowers and sidekick utility vehicles, where durability meets speed. Visit your local Kubota dealer for a demo today. Go to KubotaUSA.com for full disclaimer. Visit GoKubota.com for a dealer near you. The, is it morning yet, deal. How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time of all the times. Wake up with a little splash of sweetness. Get any size iced coffee from caramel to hazelnut to French vanilla for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome again to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman, and joining me right now is Max Cohen and Yana Shanaeus. This is our post-match show of Fulham's 1-0 victory against Bournemouth. Another victory for Fulham, another clean sheet for Fulham. We have a lot to talk about in regards to this match. But before I bring on the guys, Max and Giannis, I just want to mention this to Mr. Janaeus. Mr. Janaeus actually posted something about this on Facebook, and it got me to think about that this is where we should start. Giannis, should we now really be talking about Scott Parker for becoming the permanent manager of Fulham after these two victories? I'm still not sold yet. I was pretty open to my feelings on it, but I think we're going to hear talk about him getting the permanent job after these two victories. And dare I say, there are three matches left, and I could see them winning two or possibly all three. So it's going to be hard not to hire Scott Parker. Your thoughts? Absolutely. I mean, in a word, absolutely. And, and 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 to quantify that, I would actually not even look at the results. I, I'd look at the, the the press match conferences and how he conducts himself. Remember, this is a guy that played for our club, yep. um, captained our club, you know, had an excellent career. 
And when he talked about the objectives that he had for the club, for the, for the players, and what he wanted to do to close the gap which had widened between the fans and the players and galvanise, he, he says all the right things, but to me he says it with great authenticity. He sounds you know, genuinely like a, like a fan, actually, like a fan who wants to work together to make this a, a great team. And, um, you know, he's been, he's very, very humble. I don't think we get many managers like that anymore. Um, I think he's, he's learned from good, he's learned from good managers. And I think that, um, you know, I, I, I thought we were excellent yesterday. I thought we were excellent against Everton. Yeah. I thought there were bits and spots in the previous four games where I thought we were good. And I really, I, no one knows the system better than him right now. To me, it's a no-brainer, make him manager. Okay. And that's why I thought we would start right here, because it's going to be difficult now. You know, even for someone like myself, who is still a little skeptical because of his lack of experience, but uh, I can't look at the results and, and not see what's going on here, and also seeing how they're playing underneath him. So there's something going on there. and. Uh, deserves respect so I thought that we should definitely start talking about it because I think it's going to be a discussion for the weeks to come until a decision is made on who's going to be the uh, permanent manager of Fulham Football Club so Max over to you it's it's funny because again a few shows ago we were on here and I was talking about how I was ready to move on and then of course Fulham get these two victories and what's great about it is I'm glad that Giannis was talking about this as well it's not just about the victories themselves, it's how they're playing. It's how they're playing together as a team and basically supporting each other. And you have to give credit to the players, but you also have to give a lot of credit to Scott Parker and the staff for what's going on there because you could see it earlier in the matches that they were getting getting nothing from, and now they're starting to put it together. So I think this is a, a fair discussion to start the show before we even talk about the Bournemouth victory, talk about the future of Scott Parker. So your thoughts. This is a Fulham, you know, we thought we'd see at the beginning of the year, right? Going toe-to-toe with established Premier League teams, getting wins, getting clean sheets. This is how, how we kind of envision the Premier League going these past two matches. So why is it taking until April for us to do it? Why, does it, why do we have to be all year relegated for us to show up and, and produce a performance? And you could say, well, it's because the shackles are off right. and because they're relegated. Or you could say, it's because Scott Parker's methods are finally working. Which one is it truly? I, I can't say. Yeah. But I don't know. He's, he's kind of changing my mind. At the beginning, I was very high on him. I thought he'd be a good guy to take us forward. Then some of the more disappointing losses came, and I thought, listen, he's just not going to get us up to the Premier League next season. And now I, I think the jury's still out. You know, It depends what it does pack the final three matches. If we continue with more of the same, I think you guys are absolutely right. It would be very, very difficult to, to say, listen, I can't give you the job. He's making right. a good case. And Giannis is right. He's speaking a, a great game. He is. Look what he said even before the match, how he's planning for the next season, how important it is to set a foundation so we're in a good place, you know, come August, that we're not surprised. I mean, that's what every single fan has been crying out for, that just have a plan. Be prepared. Don't let the championship take you by surprise like it did in uh, 2014-15. So by all those measures, I mean, Parker's doing a great, a great, great job. The only way I can see him not getting it now is, is honestly someone like David Wagner. And that's one name that's been linked, but he is the guy who would be a kind of very 
he's as good. He's in touch with the fans. He knows how to get promoted, but he doesn't play kind of Route One. And you know the names we've seen linked past couple of days, right? Steve Clark, Neil Lennon. I, I read a thing on Twitter that the Fulham are just leaking those names to make everyone more happy with Scott Parker <laughs> in comparison to those <laughs> kind of dinosaurs of the game, which is interesting. But maybe that's true because I don't think we have uh, really any intention of signing those managers. Maybe it's okay. just a plot to get Parker. It's very interesting. Yanis, back over to you. You're both talking about how well Scott Parker has been talking to the media. And I watched uh, an interview with him on Sky Sports after the match. And what was telling for me, it's just something that he said during it. Because, again, I was critical a few shows ago about not making adjustments during the match or making them too late. He did make an adjustment, but it was too late when the other manager made an adjustment. Well, Scott Parker during this interview on Sky Sports, talked about the second half and how he made adjustments to open things up. And if you watch the second half, you can see Fulham were flowing much better even before the goal with uh, Mitro. Things looked a little bit different. So it looks like they did make adjustments, and that's also a good sign for me that he's willing to change things when things aren't going the way that he had hoped. So your thoughts about that part of it, because that, to me – is the maturation of a manager who's willing to change things when things aren't working the way that he wanted them to. Yeah. And you know what, there's, there's, I've got a, I have a, I mean, we've got no evidence to, to, um, to quantify or, or justify this, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he already knows he's the manager next year. It's very but, interesting. But, you say that. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. We him. don't know that answer, but no, don't. he's certainly acting like he is the manager moving forward. He's acting like that. Yeah, and and the, the thing about Steve Steve Clark and Neil Lennon, no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> really, don't let the door out hit you. We might as well have Darren Bent, and we know Darren Bent's been in a bit of trouble recently with his ex misses, and he got arrested yesterday. Poor little fella. But um, did you know about that, Russ? I was not aware of that. Yes, he he's he's, he's got an estranged wife, and apparently he phoned his ex wife, and uh, she was upstairs in a bedroom with another man. So. He went round there, and there was a big fight with the wife, and she tore his suit, and and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. there you go, poor little Darren Ben. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I I think we've got to remember as well in terms of the press conferences yep. that Scotty Parker's also talking to the fans. You know, and that that can't you know that can't, really can't get lost on this. The fans watch this, and they absorb this, and I think. Whether relegated or not, that party yesterday down at Vitality, all the fans went down and dressed as bananas and a few inappropriate things. (laughs) They're having a good time, but they're also, you know, they're they're comfortable in the fact that, you know, things are looking a little brighter and they can celebrate a little bit. And we've had nothing to celebrate all year. Right. And I think yesterday was, let's not, I mean, they lost defenders, don't get me wrong, Bournemouth, but they're a good side. I mean, they They walked us at the cottage. so. It's a very, very good result for us. And, and you're right. You're right. Um, we could win our last three games. We could end up winning five on the trot to close the season. That's right. Um, and it's I not crazy that... to say that right now. I can see them beating Wolves because I remember the first match and Fulmer just playing much better now. It's not crazy to say that. I can't wait till Bardiff come down next week. <laughs> I can't wait. That's right. That's I'm right actually excited forward. for that. Oh, that Brighton draw was massive at Wolves yesterday. Absolutely yep. massive because they lost five on the spin. And yep. Cardiff are not going to fancy coming down to the cottage because we're going to do everything to make sure they go down. We're going <laughs> to have a real laugh. It should be a packed house. 
and I, I anticipate we're going to beat them. I just want to see Warnock crying in his, in his beer. That'll be fun. <laughs> that would give me joy, too, there, Giannis. All right, Max, back over to you. Let's now talk about this uh, Bournemouth victory. And uh, what's so great about it is that, uh, you know, again, we, we could talk about the stats later, but if you look at the stats, they're pretty even. And this was a, a pretty even match. But something happened in the second half, and again, you could say that confidence builds after the goal from Nitro, the penalty. But beyond that, Fulham were just – they took control after that. They weathered the storm in, in the first half. And, yes, Bournemouth had some tremendous opportunities, but so did Fulham. This was a pretty even match, and they were on the road. And as we've been talking about, relegation is solidified, so they could just play. But they really – they went at Bournemouth. They did not look like they were scared to play Bournemouth. They took it to Bournemouth when they had their opportunities. So I w- just want to get your initial thoughts to this 1-0 victory. Yeah, I thought, you know, we really benefited with kind of Bournemouth's injury disaster. You know, Adam Smith goes out in the warm-ups. Junior Stanislaus comes in. And then he gets injured 23 minutes in. So they had to shift to a back four of all center backs, right? Right. Kind of our formation against Cardiff City away, if you guys remember that. So oh, our team plays a four center back across the back four, it's always going to benefit the attack. So I thought that really helped us. But I thought the midfield was excellent, you know? Right. The four two three one formation, that's Parker's biggest uh, revelation, in my opinion. And it's just given us so much more space to do what we do in the midfield. And we have that extra man in the center midfield. We can play these balls and we can just boss teams. And just as you mentioned, that second half, I mean, Angisa was juggling over players' heads. Chambers was doing, you know, Maradona's in his own half. And, and Sari, I thought, actually had a really good game as well. Yeah. They were spreading the ball, distributing, making space. Joe Bryan was getting involved, you know, from left wing back. It was, like I said in, in the intro, it's what we thought Fulham would be at the beginning. This is who we thought we, we'd be in the, in the Premier League. And it was just, it was scintillating football. That's the only way to put it. Uh, and it was honestly surprising we didn't get more than one goal. Cessino had good chance. He did. Mitro had, had good chances as well. We really um, played with a swagger. And I guess that's what the Parker effect could be. Or that's just us saying, you know what? It's a relegation party. The fans out here in full force, you know, let's go and put in a show. We don't know, Max. That's what we've been talking about. We don't know what is real the truth here. Is it to do with the shackles are off? that they're relegated, that they can just play? Or does this have more to do with Scott Parker? I, You know, it's funny because I want to give Scott Parker a lot of credit here. I think he deserves it. I mean, we'll never know truly what it comes down to, but I don't think I can look at this two matches, two clean sheets, and, and not give Scott Parker and his staff a lot of credit. I, I, I have to because they deserve it. And the players are playing for for, for the club, for him. For everyone. So I want to give Scott Parker a lot of credit. I, I've been impressed lately. And um, maybe he's starting to learn from his mistakes and maturing a little bit as a manager. It's going to take time to do. But I thought that was a huge step for him, getting this victory. And just the way the club played, I think, is huge as well. So very good, guys. Max, right back over to you because – um I think something that we need to talk about before we really get into talking about the starting 11-18 is uh, normally we wait until we talk about men of the match. But I want to talk about Sergio Rico with both of you because he has deserved a lot of credit. I mean, for this match, but he also deserved 
a lot of uh, criticism for the way that he's played lately. And Max, he came up huge. He was the man of the match for me uh, against Bournemouth. And major bonuses, he actually caught a ball. <laughs> this, is, this is how I see Rico. And I, I've actually said the same um, throughout my, my criticism of him, is that I think he's one of the best keepers uh, we've had in a while. That's saving you know, shots, a pure shot stopper, yeah. right? When he gets down low, as we saw that save against Ryan Frazier, excellent. And ever since he came to the team against Bournemouth way back in October, he's shown that really great quality. And where he's not good is dealing with aerial balls. And we actually saw that again. I remember corners with Danny kind of flapped at it uh, against um, Bournemouth. Took out Kyle Wilson in the process, actually. But he's always been great at saving shots and very poor commanding his area and dealing with set pieces and corners and free kicks. And, and, and that's just who he is. So on, on a day um, like Saturday when Bournemouth didn't really trouble him very much with with crosses or aerial duels, he was excellent. But, you know, in matches like, you know, West Ham comes to mind and just whipping corners, he'll struggle. So that's what you're going to get with Sergio Rico. And, you know, we can make the gamble that more often than not, he'll be excellent at making saves. But when the odd cross does come in, he'll struggle. So I was really pleased with him to play excellent today yep. uh, on Saturday. And he deserved that. I mean, it's two clean sheets in a row. Yeah. And, you know, all three clean sheets we've kept all season. Um, or the four now, sorry, it's four clean sheets, right? Um, have come with Sergio Rico's goalkeeper. So credit to him. Okay. Yeah, it's over to you. Analysis of what Max just shared and what I talked about with Sergio Rico. He's my man of the match because I thought he was the difference for Fulham getting all three points. And uh, it's very interesting what Max just said. Against certain opponents, he struggles with a lot of crosses in the box. But against a team like Bournemouth, he can just be the shot stopper that he really is. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, the one good thing about Rico is he'll never get sick because he can't catch anything. Um, <laughs> but jokes aside, he's, he's actually made more punches than any other keeper in the Premier League this year. Um, so there, clearly there's a, there's, there's a strength there, and he's, in, he's a brilliant shot stopper. Unfortunately, sometimes you're going to get teams that are very direct, route one, whether it's down the middle or from yep. the wings, and he's just not looked comfortable. Uh, let's be honest. But, but I mean, having said that, I thought he was outstanding yesterday. And, um, you know, people, you said yes earlier about, um, you know, the fact that we're relegated and the shackles um, have come off. That might be partially true. But also, it, you know, it takes time for, for, for the players to buy in. You've got to, yeah. you know, you're a young manager that has to... Has to Scott Parker mentioned this in his uh, interview, that it takes time to for everyone to be on the same page. I'm paraphrasing, but he talked about exactly what you're just mentioning, Giannis, that to get all of his thoughts through to the players, it's not doesn't just happen overnight. It takes time. That's right. And you've got to get and you've got to come on the respect of you know, you've got a team full of you know, or mostly full of internationals, so you've got to get their respect too. Um but I mean Bournemouth are a tough side. I mean they, they were hoping to finish tenth. They'll be very disappointed by the result, but they really can't have any complaints. Anyhow, has you know, we'll take a you know look back at the videotape and I'll say, well, really on the balance of play, Fulham with a better side and probably deserve the win. Yeah. And um, although it's late in the season, what makes it interesting is, is the vibes that are coming out of the club when we're thinking about players that might leave and players that will stay next season. And it's making me think now. You know, whether or not a decision's been made about Scotty, 
um, about players like Babel, for example, um, who... I'm glad that you're bringing this up, Giannis, because I'm thinking the exact same thing. Go on and talk about Babel or whoever else you want to talk. I could talk about Mitro as well. Yeah, I think, you know, players like, let's say say Babel, um, Mitro, Sess, maybe staying next year. um, Let's not forget we beat Bournemouth without uh, Tom Kearney yesterday. Yes. Um, So I, I, um, there's a real possibility that we're going to get relegated, but with a very, very strong side to start. And um, I don't think any defender is going to fancy having a having a, a whiff of Mitro after a year in the Premier League. I mean, that could be scary. Um, so it, we're in a good position right now, and we can enforce it with these last three games, uh, especially next week, where we can play. We can play, you know, we could play desperate down and send Bardiff down. It would be fantastic if we could do it. And um, I'm sure the fans are going to be excited about that game next week, and we've got every reason to. It should be a part of the atmosphere, and Cardiff will be nervous. I'm assuming they're going to lose to Liverpool today. So right now they're essentially two games behind Brighton because of the goal difference. So they really need to get something next week, and uh, hopefully we're going to stop them. It's great that you brought this up, Giannis, because I was thinking about this while uh, I was at the gym just earlier, talking about the players that uh, everyone just assumes is going to be gone and you were naming several of them and I'm starting to rethink that and I think part of it has to do with winning and I think part of it also has to do with Scott Parker and then another part of it has to do when when you watch the players reacting it's I think they're enjoying playing together I think they're also enjoying playing for form so yeah Max I, w- I want to get your thoughts about this angle because I can tell you even just a few weeks ago I'm thinking okay Mitro's gone Seri's gone, Kenny's gone, probably Sessegnon's gone. I'm starting to rethink a lot of this because I could see, especially in the case of Mitrovic, how much he enjoys playing for the club. Maybe I'm reading too much into this, but I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that someone like him is gone. And I'm glad that Yanis brought up Babel because it seems like Babel is enjoying his time at Fulham, even though I'm reading in Turkey how all these other clubs are after him, blah, 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 all that speculation. I don't believe anything from Turkey, by the way. Just in case anyone brings up speculation with Turkey, I don't believe any of it because it never seems to come true. But I saw it even today about Babel, and I don't buy it. I wouldn't be shocked if Babel stays with Fulham based on the way he's acting, the way he's enjoying being at the club. Again, the vibe I'm getting from him when I watch him. What are your thoughts about all this? Could the winning... Scott Parker effect and just playing together as a team maybe change the minds of some of these players. Well, for Mitrovic, I'm sure you guys all saw the post-match interview where he said, we have the best fans in the world. Yeah. And that was just great to see, in my opinion. And it does not seem like a player who's desperate to leave No, would be saying stuff like that. Uh, that being said, I, I just mm, – first of all, Babel – I, I can't. I just can't see him saying. Mitrovic is a different story because he has such a connection with Fulham. Yep. I think Babel. He, oh, he might be enjoying his little six months sojourn in London, but I think when the season comes, he's not a player who'll be content to play in the Championship. I'm sorry. I, I just don't think he has that much of a, of a tie to us. I'll convince him to take mm-hmm. the pay and to play in a league of that quality. Um, although I think there's an argument to be made, it might be up there with the Turkish league. But I just think he he really likes his life there. And, and might go back um, to Turkey. But with Mitrovic, I, I just don't know. I mean, we've seen 
I'll give you an example, and it's a, bit, a little bit different, but look at Jack Butler and Stoke City, right? Yep. This is a, a keeper who widely considered to be one of the third or fourth best English goalkeepers you know, ever, in, in the world right now and, and, and in, the, in the England squad. And he decided to go down with Stoke. And I think they said to him, listen, if we get back in the Premier League, you'll be our guy. Stay with us for a season and we'll get back up with you. It hasn't panned out with Stoke this season. He's probably going to leave. But could Fulham do something similar with Mitrovic? I mean, there, there's a president with really good Premier League quality yeah. players. And there's no doubt that Jack Butlin is a Premier League quality player to go down to the, to the championship, hope for an instant return. And that doesn't work out, they'll leave. But could Mitrovic do that with Fulham? Before, I was really skeptical because he really is a Premier League quality player. He is. And wishing for Mitrovic's sake, he has no right to play in the championship. He will be so far above the quality as we even saw last season, right? It just it wouldn't be fair for him because he deserves to be, I think, in the top six team, honestly, with the proper amount of service. But I think if he really loves the club and, and he's giving signs in, in his public comments that he really has a farm spot for the club, you know, absent of Salisa, which is interesting, um, yep. then maybe he might be willing to go down with us just for one year and see how it goes if we get right back up. I'm just saying not to rule that out at this point, and I'm glad that we're talking about it. You know, and even with Babel, and I understand what you're talking about with Babel, you don't see Babel staying. I just have a little food for thought when it comes to him. We'll pause because I just see the way he's acting, but maybe it's just he's enjoying his time, like you said, Max, and he'll go back to Turkey. But I'm not closing the door on that either, and and that's bizarre for me to say because I never even thought that Babel would stay with Fulham, but uh, we're going to have to see. And I think what happens the last three matches could have an effect on a lot of these players. I really believe that if they win two out of three or all three, these players might say to themselves, well, listen, we'll go down the championship for one year. We could have a great season down there and come straight back up. They might have the mentality that who knows? They might be thinking, you know what? We got ourselves in this bad predicament. Let's try to get Fulham out of it by getting them back and back to the Premier League. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud, but I just think it's something to think about, whereas maybe even a few weeks ago, I wasn't. And winning cures a lot of things, and maybe uh, a few more wins can do that for these players because I'd like to see several of them stay if it's financially viable, and that's also a factor in this as well because Fulham have to do what's right financially as long as uh, being on the pitch as well. All right, guys, real quick, let's just talk about the starting 11 and the 18 overall. Max, over to you. We have found out why Tom Kearney wasn't involved. So, you know, you can mention that, you know, because that was obviously something that, that stands out. But thoughts on the uh, starting 11? Yeah, of course. Uh, best of luck to Kearney and his girlfriend. Hopefully yes. all good news there with, with the baby. Hopefully that, that's great to hear. Um, and, and it's nice that the team, you know, gave him uh, the match off. And I'll be honest, we didn't miss him too much. And I've said kind of the opposite in, in the past when Sari was on the bench and Kearney started. But I think it shows that, you know, one of them can play that role you know, in, in, in that midfield diamond, but not really two of them. So that's interesting. Uh, you know, no Fossi Mensa. He's going to have knee surgery. He'll be done for the season. Yep. So Adoy was right back and uh, didn't look too bad. I thought I thought he played all right. Um, good for him. He had some good plays against Frazier, who was, who was excellent all afternoon, but he kind of kept him quiet for the most part, which is nice to see. Yep. And, yes, it was Angisa, Chambers, and Seri. That was the midfield diamond. Sorry, midfield triangle. And, and, and I thought they did all right. Um, and the starting lineup, apart from that, you know, the four two three one. Uh the other thing I'd note is that Sessignon has now been on the right the past couple of matches and uh Parker's gone with Bob on the left. So a bit of a deference to Bob's experience playing him in his familiar position 
and allowing Sassanone, you know, to cut back in from the right when he attacks. So that that was all I had to say about that. Okay. Over to you, Giannis. Your thoughts. We're following him. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, obviously, folks who mentioned played his last game for the club. It's turned out a bit, a bit of a disaster that um, for him anyway. But good to see back uh, Adoy back in. Um, I'm still a little bit hesitant about the new the um, the Seth thing on the right. I prefer him to be on the left. But it was yep. a good lineup. Um, I've, I've been very. I mean, Seri started, but he's been a major disappointment for me, and I'd be stunned if he's here next year. Um, but it was a solid lineup, and, and I, I, I actually I had a feeling we'd get something down there. I wasn't sure we'd get a win. I thought we'd get at least a point, just because I thought the Everton performance was was I thought it was excellent. We we really. I mean, there was a lot of media coverage about how poorly Everton played. But um, not enough credit given to Fulham. But I don't think we get it anyway. It was like, I was hearing over in the UK, match of the day, they were doing the, the games yesterday. Yep. And our game, again, was last. Oh, you know, which yeah. Is, it's little old Fulham, you know. Uh, and, and it just, it's just, we never get any credit. No. And um, we didn't get enough credit for the game last week where I thought we were much the better side. And yesterday I thought we were the better side as well. And you know what? Um it looks having 23 points looks much nicer than having 14. That's for sure, and uh, it gives us a you know a good a good feeling as we start to prepare for life outside the Premier League. And the fact that um, Scotty's talked about the planning already beginning, I think, is excellent. Um, it means that they, they you know they're going to try and get their heads up in terms of players they want to bring in and try and not make the mistake that Stoke City have done this year, where they came down with right. a very good squad. Um, a lot of player power there, but unfortunately have struggled because they, there's certain types of player. We, we talk about Oliver Norwood as an example. He's had a great season for Sheffield United, but those yeah. sorts of players that you need in the league. Um, but the lineup was fine, and um, but it was helped by the fact that they picked up a couple of injuries as well. Okay, very good. What are your thoughts about the youngsters on the bench again? Um. Well. Uh, Elliot, you know, Elliot's going to get some time. I, I, I just think that, you know, if you're going to put a kid on a bench, at least give him a few minutes. You know, I mean, it's, I mean, you bought Ryan Babel off with four minutes to go. Give Elliot a go. You know, Aita, well, and it's not because it's Aita. I'm just saying, you know, just give him a go. Give him four minutes. I mean, what's four minutes? He's not going to hurt you as a striker, right? I mean, the Chris, the, the Christie thing made sense. Because you wanted to tighten up the ship, you got Serie off, that's fine. Uh, Nortvite, you got him for, you know, a couple of, waste a little bit of time. But I think with Bubble coming off, give Elliot a few points. If you're going to put a kid on the bench, you know, give him a, give him a couple of minutes, give him a taster. You know, he'd have got a fantastic reception from the fans. Maybe he's going to, maybe he's going to get some time against Cardiff. And, yeah. um, you know, it, 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 it looks good for the future. I just don't like putting players on the bench where it looks, Almost like a cosmetic exercise. Okay. I'd like to, you know, if you're going to put him on the bench as a youngster like that, just give him a couple of minutes to have a, his first experience of first team football and, um, you know, absorb the atmosphere even if he doesn't get a kick of the ball in a few minutes he's on. Understand that. Yeah, that's a, actually a very good point. All right. Up next, we are going to break down this match. And first, we're going to start by talking about the first half. 
Okay, guys, let's get into the first half. And uh, let's just start off by saying that Bournemouth came out very strong and Sergio Rico had to basically uh, come up big early on. You have the uh, the save that he makes in the uh, fourth minute. And then Frazier had a really good opportunity in the fifth minute. A little bit later on, wonderful chance by King. And his shot goes over the net. They actually should probably, he should have scored there. But Max, I want to go over to you. And I want to get just your thoughts on how the match began. They picked off, uh, you know, right where they left off. And we were completely under the cosh for those opening 15 minutes, right? Uh, definitely should have scored with that cutback for, you know, that Josh King put over the bar. Frazier was dangerous. And, yep. you know, I, I kind of thought, looks like it's going to be a long afternoon. Looks like, uh, you know, with the pressure off, I thought, oh, it would be a fun day out. The fans are an amazing voice. Let's enjoy it. But those first 50 minutes were a toil. It was a struggle. And luckily, the match didn't pan out like that. Bournemouth kind of ran out of steam. And I really think the turning point for that was um, when Stanislas went down injured. Okay. That, I think that really disrupted the rhythm and it forced them to go to the, you know, the back core of all center backs and that played into our hands a lot, I think. So luckily, we weathered that storm. Um, got some luck that we have not all season. And that played into our clean sheet, which was another miracle. Okay, very good. Giannis, over to you. Let's now talk about an opportunity for Fulham in the 17th minute, actually a couple. You have yeah. uh, Chambers' header off of a corner that's cleared by Ake, but then you have the opportunity from Mitro shortly, like right afterwards. So Fulham actually had a couple of opportunities here, and that's what I think got lost a little bit, is that when you look at the pressure and the opportunities from Bournemouth early, you think that they were dominating, but Fulham actually had some opportunities in the first half as well, and two of them came in the 17th minute, your thoughts? I think I think both Chambers and Mitra will probably expect nine times out of ten to stick the ball in the back of the net. And I think there have been critical moments this season in games where we've been in them and then we've missed chances and unfortunately teams have gone up the other end and to score. But the thing, if you remember back to the game at the Cottage, we really didn't create a lot of anything. No. Bournemouth were much, much, much the better side. And, um, you know, the, the Bournemouth provided that early onslaught. And, and, and we, we bent, we, we bent, but we didn't buckle. We didn't break. We buckled, but we didn't, we didn't you know, we didn't, we didn't break apart. Right. And I thought, um, my thinking was if we took it to half-time at nil-nil, we should get a chance. Yeah. Um, I think especially Chambers would be disappointed because uh, that, you could see the disappointment, you know, you could see the look on his face afterwards. Um, but, but you're creating the chances nonetheless. And yep. um, I, I felt that was there was probably a goal in there somewhere. But I think if we'd scored then, I think we would have probably kicked on because of the problems they were having with their back four. Right. Um, and as long the longer that it, it was nil there, you just you did get the feeling maybe that they'll pop one out or something. I mean, they're a talented side, and and you got a marvel at their club. I mean, they've got a very small stadium. You know, there's three big what they call the you know the big three on the south coast, Brighton. Southampton and Bournemouth, and they're the best team of the three, and they've got the smallest stadium and the least resources, but arguably the best coach in, in Eddie Howe. And they've done, I mean, if they finished 12th this year, they'd have done brilliantly. And uh, they've produced some very, very good players. And uh, and you saw that quality in the first half, but we did, yes. we were pretty resilient. So I was very pleased we went into to halftime, um, all uh, knotted up and nil-nil. Okay, very good. 
Just want to mention one minute after the uh, opportunities from Fulham, you have another great save by Rico on Frazier, who was dangerous pretty much the entire match. And now, guys, I want to talk about something that actually bothers me, and it doesn't matter which team a player goes down with a potential head injury. It bothers me, and something needs to be done about this. If this happened to a Fulham player, I'd be talking about it in the same way. So David Brooks in the 25th minute, takes a ball to the head at very close range from Mitrovic. He goes down, and then he comes on right back on pretty much fairly quickly after this happened, maybe a minute or two afterwards. And my first thought is, what is he doing coming back in? And something needs to be done about this. We need to be not just thinking about these players as footballers, but as people. And this really bothered me. Max, I'll go to you. Am I making too much out of this? Because I think something needs to change to take head injuries more seriously, concussions. I don't know if he had a concussion, but I think that there was a a reason to be concerned there. And the fact that he came pretty much back on after maybe just a couple minutes is very worrying to me. Well, so I mean, I think it's tough because you're right. You said he came off. It was definitely a really bad hit. As close range, Mitrovic slams that off his head. You know, the announcers were saying it was intentional. I thought that was just nonsense. I was just. Oh, I don't think this was intentional. Football. Yeah, but I mean, what more do you want to see, Russ? He goes off for a couple. He didn't just come right back on. He received medical attention. I, I assume they did concussion protocol there because I, I think that I think that has to be the law of the land now. Okay. And they deemed he was okay to come back on. I just don't know w- what the solution is under the current framework because what do you want to go? In the, in, go back to the dressing room for more testing? Do you sub someone back on in the interim? I, I mean, what's the solution here for the Premier League? Well, I think that they need to figure this out, Max, because I just think, you know, anyone's going to want to play. And, and to give credit to Brooks, he played well after that. But that to me, again, I'm just looking at him as a person and I'm watching this and thinking something's not right. He shouldn't be coming back on and, and the Premier League and, and football in general needs to take this more seriously than they do. That's just my thoughts when I saw this. Giannis, your thoughts about this. Am, am I wrong to feel this way? You're absolutely right. I mean, there is a protocol, and they're not following it. I mean, I know, you know, I, if I speak for my 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 own job, uh, you know, we're very, very strict in schools here in terms of if, if there's a fall, if there's a bang on the melon, you know, doctors have to sign it. It has to be certified. It's got to be accommodations, limited lighting, class, or whatever. And that's, you know, days after the fact. If he's been banged in the melon during a game, he should, frankly, I don't think he should come back on. I think it's because we now know with CTE, you know, looking at the, you know, looking inside the brains of, for example, NFL players that yeah. are passed and the damage. And let's not forget, um, you know, the, the best example I can think in England was, was Jeff Astle, the former England player, West Brom player who died a few years ago, and it was because of, they say it was because of continuous heading of the ball. Now, of course, the balls were heavier there, but a, a bang in the melon that close is going to cause damage. You can't, you can't allow the player back on. You can't do it. I think, if you, I think they could make a rule that if you've got 11 players on the pitch and all three subs have been used, and a, kid, a player gets a bang on the head like that, there's dispensation to bring a fourth sub on. I think that makes sense. Right, and I think that's something that needs to be looked at because I think that would make things a little bit easier to then take the player off. And 
I'm just thinking of it as I'm watching this player. And again, I'm just thinking what is going on because I just, I can't imagine him just going right back in. And I know that's the culture that, that we grew up in that, you know, you know, basically a, a, a bang on the head, you know, uh, and then you just go back in. That's the way that we've been brought up with, uh, with sports. But now there's more evidence dealing with concussions that when I saw this and I just, yes, Max, it, it was more than a couple of minutes. So let me just mention that you are right. It probably was more, I didn't put a, a timer on it, but still, I just thought it was fairly quick for him to come back on. And yeah, I, I just think, I just think that more testing needs to be done on the player. I know that they're doing it on the pitch side, like Max was mentioning, but um, again, I just don't think he should be going back into that match. I think he should be off for the rest of the match for his own protection, Giannis. Yeah, you do, yeah, it, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's um, it's not a Bill, you know, Bill Shankly saying it's more than life. And nothing's worth more than a life, and um, the welfare, the safety of the the athletes is, is is of paramount importance. And I don't think any any fan. Or any player anywhere would want to see serious damage done to any player. No, it was not something accidental, and that's where I think when you get a, you know, you get a, a bang like that, you take him off safety precautions, go through all the protocols, make sure he's okay. Because the thing with concussion, we now know medically, is that it, it does take time to manifest itself. That's right. And um, I think of, um, you know, over here in North America. You know, for the UK listeners, there was a there was a hockey player named Pat LaFontaine who played for the New York Islanders. I remember. And yeah, and and he he got um, I think he got I think it was a check, um, and it took it took a little while for the um, for the concussion to, to to set in, and then he never played another game. Yeah. It can, it, I mean, we, it, it, uh, you know, whether it's football, whether it's hockey, there are many sports that are littered with sports where concussion leads to the end of a career or right. worse or worse. And this is where we can't take chances. And I think, right. And that's FA my point really, of all of this. Yeah. The, the FA need to look at this here because this is the safety of the athletes we're talking about here. Right. Whatever club you support, whatever club you love or hate, uh, you don't want to see anybody get seriously injured. And especially like that when it's, when not necessarily the avoidability of the incident, but what you do immediately after the fact, it's, it's, you have to triage it. It's first aid, and much like if it's a cut or it's a broken leg, um, you know, you triage it accordingly. And unfortunately, uh, this was done poorly. And I think, um, I think some, you're right. I think some questions have to be asked here. Okay. Max, back over to you just to end this discussion about concussions because you were asking, well, what do you want them to do? And Giannis brought up the potential solution is to have a four substitute, one specifically for concussions. That's something that I would suggest, but that again is something that the football leagues, I think, really seriously need to look into because um, these are athletes, but they're people too, and that's kind of where I'm going on this. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I I totally agree, and and we had the same conversation after the Alfie Lawson incident, yes. remember uh, against Newcastle, and you know many many of the criticisms still ring true. And, you know, I mentioned this, Taylor Twelman is a massive advocate yes. for a concussion protocol here here in the U.S. He's a player whose career is tragically cut short because of those type of head injuries. And, of course, we've seen it happen in, across a number of other sports, as Yana said. These things are serious. They have lasting effect. And I think football is, is slow to adapt just because it's not as prevalent as other sports across the world, the head injuries. It happens, yes, but it's not 
as big part of the game. So people are, you're yeah, right. They're less um, receptive of the dangers of concussions. Yep. But I, I just, I think it's tough in this situation with Brooks. I think he was checked. I, I, I can't go here and say the, the, the training staff in Bournemouth just sent him back on the pitch right after. That's not really what happened. So it is this gray area. Was he okay? Was he not okay? I think if the physios pay attention to it and they send the player back on, I think they know what's going on, and I think he might have been just okay. But it, it did look bad in the moment. Yep. But if he was seriously injured, I, I have faith that Bournemouth would have said, listen, you have to go off. But that being okay. said, I don't know of a situation where a player has come off um, in the Premier League for a head injury. Right. Not off the top of my head. So maybe that is, is a systemic issue. Right. That's, you know, again, I understand the pressure that I, I guess you could say that teams are under when they have these situations. They only have three substitutions. And it, it's very valid point, Max, because I can't remember a time that a player's gone off. Maybe it has happened. But, you know, it's just something that I think needs to be looked at more stringently. And I'm glad that you brought up Taylor Twelman because he's been an advocate about yeah. uh, concussions. And really, it, it ruined his career. It ended his career. So, and I saw it in front of my face. So maybe I'm more, you know, sensitive to it because I watched what happened with Taylor Twelman. But I've also seen it with other players. Giannis mentioned uh, Pat Lafontaine. I could talk about Mark Servado and the Bruins. Same thing. Yeah. And uh, it happens. And I just think that I think we need to be more cautious than we are. And I think that was my point in bringing this all up. Maybe to have more awareness of concussions and, and the dangers behind it and, and that we need to take them more seriously. I think that's where I'm going on this. All right. All right, guys, let's, uh, let's move on. And I just want to mention this, Max, go, go right back to you because I, I actually thought of you during this is that um, Fulham had a wonderful opportunity to score in the 38th minute. It was a header from Dennis Adoy. It reminded me against the incredible goal against Derby County. It was really the same thing. Um, unfortunately, in, in, in this case, uh, Bournemouth goalkeeper made the save. But what were your thoughts? Was that going through your mind as well in the 38th minute? I, it was that perfect near post run. And then the flick on, and, and, and fair play to Boric for making that save. But I, yeah. I, you're right. I had major flashbacks of uh, Dennis Adoy rising. And just to break some news here, guys, uh, just in, within the half hour, um, Tom Kearney has posted on his Instagram, Aubrey Thomas Kearney, born April 20th, 2019. So congratulations. Absolutely. Tom and his family. That's great. That is great news. Oh, that's that's um, great to hear, yeah, and that's good that he missed the match for for a good cause, and all is well there. <laughs> oh, it's good to hear everything's all all is well there. All right, guys, let's now transition to the second half. And uh, listen, Fulham had a decent opportunity to score in the 48th minute from Ryan Babel, and then shortly after that, only four minutes later, we have to go to the penalty, the um, the foul on Mitro that. Again, then he takes the penalty, and Fulham go ahead 1-0. Mr. Janaeus, this is a penalty. I, I don't think there's any way to go around it. I've watched this several times. Thoughts about the goal from Mitro here in the 52nd minute? That was the match winner. Yeah, yeah, young defender, Simpson. You know, he'll learn from the mistake. Um, Mitro is big and strong, good turn of foot. He's clonked him down. It's a penalty. I mean, you didn't see the defenders argue. And he's knocked it to the to the bottom right. Nice goal. You saw his reaction. First one on the and I love this. First one on the scene always seems to be Cess. Yeah. Fulham yes. through and through. Fulham fans having a great old time. 
Babel looking happy and uh, sensing our first away win of the season. And um, I know a lot of Fulham fans out there going, well, it's a bit bloody late, isn't it? But um, you know what? Um, with the sort of season we've had, we deserve a bit of fun. Yes. And to be fair, if we look over the season, I mean, when Parker took over, lost 2-1 to Chelsea, lost, I think, 2-0 to, to Liverpool, 2-0 to City. You know, they've been close games. I mean, the Watford was a bit of a blowout, but that only came in the second half. But there's been signs of improvement, and we yeah. wanted to at least go through a whole season and get, get some sort of win away from the cottage. And we did that. Yep. So, um, you know, he put it away with a plomb. 10th uh, Premier League goal of the season, delighted for him. And he made that statement afterwards, Fulham are the best fans in the world. Does that sound like somebody wants to leave the cottage? That's I don't me. think so. No. So, um, That's telling. You know, it was, it was, and then, funnily enough, after that goal, we really we really stepped it up. We stepped it up again. Absolutely. So, um, cracking, you know, nice league to take. And I was hopeful then that we'd hold on. A couple of squeaky, squeaky bum bits, but um, I thought we were pretty solid for the rest of the game. Good point there, Yanis, because I, I thought we really did kick on. And, Max, over to you. We're going to talk about a couple of opportunities from Ryan Sessegnon. You know, here we are. We're talking about how he celebrated with uh, Mitrovic. Well, he had two opportunities in the 62nd and the 64th minute. Then a good opportunity from Frazier, who, like I mentioned, was dangerous. But overall, Fulham saw this match out, Max. So I want to get your thoughts about the opportunities from Sessegnon, but how the match ended. Because I thought that was telling as well. That Fulham, again, another clean sheet, Max. Yeah, and we talk about clean sheet. Let's talk about Stuart Gray, right? Yes. Is it any coincidence that after he comes in as well, we have two clean sheets, you know? It's uh, a great point. I, was, I forgot season. to bring that up. Yeah. Stuart Gray back with Scott Parker and Fulham. Can we yeah. say that's not a factor here? I, 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 don't, I don't think we can. I mean, I, I think he deserves a lot of credit because – we did keep that clean sheet and it's the same, it's the same back four, it, you know, and if not worse, cause there's no Alfie Lawson. Yep. Green, Lamarshawn, Brian, you know, Chris Diodoy. That's still a terror. That's still a pretty bad defense, right? <laughs> that's still pretty, pretty bad, but they're making the best out of it and, yep. and, and fair credit to them. And the way we ended the match was so positive because did you guys ever really feel nervous? I never, although no. the six minutes of additional time was put up, I never, I never really felt that nervous, and we actually controlled the ball nicely. We had, actually probably had a chance to score at the end yeah. when Mitrovic had that shot, but he took it to the corner. You know, um, we we played well, we played well, and we actually professionally saw it the match. Yes, and it was a far cry, you know, from from earlier things this season. And I guess when the pressure's off, the players can finally live up to the potential. But it really was for me the entire match was just where was this all season? What if we'd started <laughs> this way in the season? What if Ranieri gets sacked earlier? What if Ranieri doesn't get appointed? What if there's a different manager after Lisa? You know, so many what ifs are running through my mind because this showed we can go toe to toe with Premier League teams like Bournemouth and, and and play them and and go and go against them and play better than them. Yeah, but only after our state was sealed. Sorry, our state was our state was sealed, and that was kind of the. The saddest part of it, right, is that we already know yep. where we're going to be next season. And no matter how many matches we win until May, we're still going to be the championship. Okay, very good. All right, one final topic for the two of you for this match. Over to you, Giannis, because um, Steve Whittier, who is a ref 
in England actually was messaging a group of us about this and basically said that Mitrovic was lucky just to get a yellow. Your thoughts on that? Should he have gotten a red? Uh, I know refs that would have given him a red. I mean, he got a yellow. I think the least that's the least he should have got. It was it was a pretty stiff challenge, to be honest. It was what <laughs> it was what I call a striker's tackle. Um, but having said that, uh, I'm going to defend the ref because I think the referee in, officiated the, the game very intelligently yesterday. And I think that um, the mark, and we've said it many times before, the, the mark of any good officiating is when you don't notice them. Right. And they, they're calm in terms of when challenges take, you know, take place. They don't let, let the hubris and hubbub of the crowd take away from what they're supposed to do during the game. And I thought he did a very good job yesterday. And um, I know that um, officiating, I think, <laughs> I mean, anybody that's been, I mean, Steve's obviously a ref. I'm a, yep. I, I'm a cricket umpire. It's a thankless, it's a, it's a thankless task. But um, if you think that officiating is bad in the Premier League or any of the four divisions, come to MLS. <laughs> come to MLS. Oh. Because the officiating in MLS Horrific. is beyond, it's, it's disastrous. It's an yeah. absolute disaster. And, yeah. there, and there isn't a week that goes by when there are teams or you look at calls and you go, what on earth have they just seen? <laughs> so, um, I mean, all things considered, I think the officiating yep. in England is excellent. And this ref, okay. I thought, let them play. Uh, as I said, a yellow at least could have got okay. a red. I'm, I'm sort of hovering, but I know refs that would have given it. Would have given it. Okay. Yeah. Max, how about you? Ugh, I don't know. Mitro, it, it was a strong challenge for sure. It, it was a little bit late. It was dirty. I wasn't really looking at the ball. I think the yellow was fair, though. Um, that's a yellow card. That's the definition of it for me. It wasn't necessarily overly violent. It was late. Yeah. It was dangerous. I think that's just a booking, and I think the referee got it right. Okay. All right, guys. Quickly, that being said, sorry, you... one more thing. Sorry, one quick thing. Go ahead. Referee. Yeah. I don't know. I thought the penalty was, was a little bit soft. I thought Mitrich threw him down, threw himself down like a sack of potatoes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he got kicked, but he went down. He did down get kicked off. He wasn't really running at all, but he, he went down like he'd just been in full sprint and been felled. So not necessarily complaining, but saying, you know, smart. Smart by Mitrich. Okay. Oh, I've just Wait seen a, a picture of put... a baby. It's so cute. <laughs> it's got, it's got, if you, it, if you see it, Ross, it's, it's, it's the little, we've got this, this gray pullover and a bunny rabbit. Oh, <laughs> look, look, look. Okay. Oh, and I think, you know what? I've got to see the full picture, but is that a Fulham bear behind the baby? I've got to check that. I think that's right. a Fulham bear. All right. Well, you need to check that because we I think know it you is, and Fulham bear. So. Okay. I'm going to check it out. I'm going okay. to have to check it out. Okay. This baby's being anointed. <laughs> All right. Guys, quickly, I'm going to give you the full-time stats. I think they're telling here. Okay, possession, 51 to 49% in favor of foam. Total shots, 17 to 15 in favor of foam. Shots on target, even at five. Corners, 7 to 3 in favor of foam. Crosses, 17 to 11 in favor of foam. Attempted passes, 457 to 454 in favor of foam. Attacking passes, 216 to 164 in favor of Fulham. This is a stat that stands out to me. Passing accuracy, 82% for both teams. 
I think that's a telling stat. Files 18 for Fulham, 11 for Bournemouth. Mr. Janais, what stands out to you from the full-time stats? Fairly even game. Uh, fairly even game, apart from the the the, the scoreline or the statistic that matters the most. Yep. Which is I the one that they've got. And I yeah. can confirm that the white teddy bear that's lying behind Aubrey is one of the Fulham Bears. So okay. Clear. Yes. <laughs> All right. Very good there. Mr. Cohen, your thoughts? That's the Fulham we know. You know, high passing accuracy, high possession, shots, corners. That's uh, – you could have read me that from the Millwall match exactly a year ago yesterday um, or any of the promotion matches, and I would have uh, believed you. That could have been either one. So that, that's good to see at least. Okay. Let's end quickly with man of the match. I said it's Rico, but you guys could feel differently. And then 1-10 to 10 on Scott Parker. Mr. Cohen, man of the match, and Scott Parker's rating for this match. I thought Chambers was a, was man of the match for me. Like, okay. Again, in that center midfield role, he just excels there, winning the ball back at every opportunity, great skills as well, really good combination with Angisa and Sari. He was my standout player. Uh, honorable mention to Rico, though. He made some great saves, too. And I'll give Parker uh, I'll give him a nine. You know, the four two three one. I love it because I think it just suits us the best of any formation. He manages subs well. Yep. Um, yeah, I think he got everything right, honestly. Okay. Over to you, Mr. Janess. Oh, Sergio Rico for me. Critical, critical saves at critical times. Um, he's, you know, for all the stick we've given him, I don't think we can, I don't think we can ever question as, as supporters his shot stopping abilities. They're brilliant. Um, Parker for me gets a nine. Um, he got it right. And I'd like to give, I would like to give the traveling fans a 10 because they were absolutely magnificent. Apart from that one guy that had the inflatable, you know what, hooey hooey. Um, but that apart, um, they, they had a great old time in the sun down at, to the Vitality, and uh, and they did, and they added lots of colour to what was an entertaining game, and uh, three well-deserved points for the lads. Okay, excellent. Very good there, guys. All right. And I uh, just want to mention that um, we've got some big shows coming up next week because Fulham are playing Cardiff, and I'm going to be dedicating the next few episodes to Neil Warnock. I cannot stand Cardiff City, and I think Fulham are going to win. And I'm looking forward to talking about it before the match and then after the match. And I want to have a huge smile on my face. And I want to see Neil Warnock with a sour puss on his face. That's how I'm ending the show, guys. Yeah. <laughs> we don't like Neil. He's a Not a fan. Not a fan, my friend. Not a fan. But listen, let's wrap this up. For Mr. Janaeus and Mr. Cohen, I'm Russ Coleman. Thank you, as always, for listening to Cottage Talk. It's the 90th minute. And all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping. And you steal the last nugget. Snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants. 18 plus. Serving times. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.